This is Software Defined Survival, where we talk to AVIT professionals and software developers to find out how to leverage software to reinvent ourselves and the way we do business. We listen to their stories and ask for advice and tactics on how to survive and thrive in a software-defined world. Today on Software Defined Survival. Netflixes and YouTubes of the world, they've all gone through this same transition of analog to digital to IP to platform. Relying more on software is not a bad thing. My name is Patrick Murray. For everyone out there sitting behind a rack on their way to a job site or chained to a laptop, welcome to Software Defined Survival. Today's guest has a background in hardware engineering. He spent some time working for Google and also as a technology manager for Crestron's digital media products before moving on to AptiVision and creating the Software Defined Video over Ethernet Alliance, also known as SDVOE. SDVOE aims to create a standardized hardware and software platform for AV signal distribution. Because it is software defined, it could also have a lot of consequences for the way we do things in AV. So I'm really excited to talk to Justin Kennington about the future of software defined AV. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hello, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Excellent to have you on the show as one of the first guests. Um, Is there anything about that introduction that you'd care to correct or expand upon? Uh, Well, I'm not nearly as impressive as you made it sound, but I have no intention of correcting that. Nice. A little bit of modesty goes a long way. So AV, you know, it's kind of this weird niche industry and uh, nobody really grows up saying they want to work in AV. There's usually a story behind it. So uh, tell me, what's your story? How did you wind up working in audiovisual? Wow. I don't think I've ever answered that question on the record. If you want to know the honest truth, uh, I was sitting in my living room in Mountain View, California, uh, where I did, uh, as you said, work for Google as a hardware engineer. Uh, I was about 11 beers into a case of Coors Light (laughs) and programming, like writing this custom software stack to make my iPod control my home theater. And I was bored and thinking about career stuff. And I was like, eh, what should I do next? I was like, well, I like this kind of like stuff I'm doing right here. Somebody would probably pay me to do this. Who would pay me to do this? Crestron. Crestron would pay me to do this stuff. So I'm like, I don't even know where Crestron is, right? I'm, and I, so I go to the website. I'm like, crestron.com. Where is it? Rockley, New Jersey. I was like, shit. I was hoping for, I was hoping for Sunnyvale. Right. But, uh, but uh, then I looked at the map. I said, okay, that's pretty close to New York City. I could deal with that. And uh, so I called a guy who knew a guy. And uh, I said, hey, when you, when you talk to them over there, tell them you know a guy who works at Google and is thinking about coming and taking a look at your shop. And so I said, be sure and say Google. That's important. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and uh, so sure enough, the next day, uh, the folks at Crestron called me and said, hey, we want to we wanna talk to you. And they had this new product line called Digital Media, and they needed someone to take charge and run it. Uh, so, you know, an, inter- an interview and a cross-country move later, there I was in the world of AV with sort of a front row seat to the analog to digital transition that Digital Media drove. Exactly. And we'll blame it all on the silver bullet, right? On, on the 11 cores lights. <laughs> you know what? It, one thing it won't do is slow you down. 
<laughs> there you go. So um, I remember when when DM first came out, and like you said, that was a big transition from from digital from analog to digital, right? A lot of talk about the analog sunset, and uh, right, the first DM had had like three wires for every signal, and it was a lot different than what HD base T looks like today, right? Just one yeah, cat yeah, cable. Yeah. But um, it was a really big change at the time, and it was actually an improvement. You know, you look at those three wires today, it kind of looks a little Frankensteinish. But if you take a step back to analog, it was RGBHV, right? So right. Hey, three, is, three is better than five. Three is better than five, and even audio on top of that, you could have up to seven cables. And uh, yeah. that's kind of how I grew up in AV was, um, you know, stripping back coax and crimping BNCs on these connectors, things that you just don't deal with today at all. So what were some of the challenges about uh, those first steps with, with digital media? You know, what was hard is, is we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, you know, Crestron was in a great spot at that point because, I mean, they had analog video switches, you know, big five wire BNC, high bandwidth uh, cross points, but weren't really known for it, right? Crestron was very much known as a control company. Um, and it was Extron. It was, it was uh, what are their names? Auto patch, auto patch, yeah. got picked up by AMX. Uh, that were sort of seen as the the video guys, and so Crestron was in a good spot to say, "Look, we think this digital video thing is going to be big, and and frankly, we don't have a lot to lose, so let's let's give it a shot." Um, and so in the early days, what we underestimated was just how much of a lack of understanding and knowledge there was out there in the design and in, in the installation community about digital video systems, right? We thought it was gonna be easier for us and easier for them than it turned out to be. So for those first couple of years with the three wire stuff, I'm talking, you know, 2010 mostly, yeah. um, there were a lot of, uh, of challenges and it, it, it upset a lot of people, right? Because they were frustrated, you know, installers were frustrated, they'd have to go back to the job and fix this and fix that. Um, and early on, uh, we figured out that you know education was key to this, and this is this is how the the, the DMC, the digital media certification courses, uh, okay. came to be. When we realized, like, oh my God, like we've got this new product line, and of course, a new product line and a two new paradigm has has bugs and problems to fix. Uh, but these people installing it just haven't been given the opportunity to learn about this new world. So DMC got created, and I remember back in like 2011, 12, when when the training had really gotten up on its feet. Uh, we would show these great graphs that showed like, uh, you know, number of DMC trained people. And you see this big, you know, increasing curve. And then you'd overlay on that, like number of digital media support calls. And you see this like huge fall off. Like it was real, like, wow, education uh, is hugely important. So, so educating the, the customer base, uh, improving the product. And then finally that move from the, the, the original three wire approach uh, to HD base T once that became available, you know, simplified things. Um, and, and next thing you know, Crestron is, is the leader in that uh, matrix switching digital video space, right? The other guys who had such a vested interest, you know, in their analog stuff uh, didn't make the jump. I remember going to, you know, Infocom 2010, Infocom 2011, Infocom 2012, and every year being nervous, like, uh-oh, you know, Extron's going to have it this year. AMX is going to bring something. We're going to have some real competition. It's going to be tough. And then I show up and it's nothing. They're still talking analog. And it's like, are you guys serious? Um, and so, so Crestron got such a big head start uh, by being, you know, by, by bringing the right technology at the right time and being willing to, to suffer the, the, you know, the settlers get the arrows, they say, or 
pioneers get the arrows. Absolutely. That's what that was. But then, but then you're the first one, uh, first one there. And, and that's what established Crestron as the real leader today. And in that digital video distribution space. Definitely. There's still a, they're still seemingly way ahead of the pack. So a good head start, really, it doesn't go away too quickly. It, uh, yeah, it really gives you a boost that lasts for a long time. Momentum is huge. Yeah. So there were a few other things you mentioned that I want to circle back to. Um, obviously, I didn't think the biggest challenge would be education, but it does make sense now that you say that. But what I really like was that you used data to see if what you were doing was working. And sure. you, you did that in the training aspect, right? So the number of certifications against the type of support calls that you were getting. Yeah. Um, it, it really just shows the power of data. Why don't we do that more in AV? <laughs> because it's... <laughs> is, because it, it's is it hard? Of, it's hard um, because good data is bigger data. And it's it's often hard to find, you know, big data sets in AV. Um you know, individual companies, you know, integrators, programming houses and things are so many of them are relatively small. It's hard to build up a, a solid data set that you can really make decisions based on. Um, you know, Crestron has a great advantage of, of having such a big reach that they can build that kind of data set. Um, and maybe we as an industry can find ways, you know, through through Avixa, uh, through the through organization and, and, and smaller groups, smaller companies working together to start building up data sets, right? You know, Avixa does that uh, for, their, for their annual or semi-annual like market trend analysis report. Um, but how to use that at, at the smaller level is a, is a great question, right? It's, it's, I think it just needs focus. Uh, it needs people to realize that, that, that good data is highly valuable, is the best way to make decisions. Uh, and then be willing to put in the time and effort to do it, right? Sometimes it can be hard when you're in a, a crisis situation or a high pressure situation and, and, and you need to make decisions quickly. It can be hard to say, you know what, let's take a step back. Let's take a breath. Let's gather information and analyze it before we react. Uh, just, just that sort of emotional uh, challenge can be what holds us back from, from data-driven decisions. Yeah, definitely. Great, great insight. Um, I like the way you tie it back to, you know, the human factor uh, and that need for that need for speed and to make quick decisions and um, data needs time to develop before it becomes usable. Yeah. So let's switch gears and talk about SDVOE. What does software defined mean to you? It's it's the way the world works today. And what we're trying to do with SDVOE is, is show the AV industry that that's the way the world works and show the AV industry how. What I mean is, um, you know, today when you when you decide what smartphone you want to buy, right, you're, you're probably an iPhone guy or you're an Android guy, right? That's not about hardware. That's about a software platform. It's about the, the experience that the software creates and how it makes you feel. It's about the applications that are built on top of those platforms and which ones are most important to you. Uh, and then once we get in down into it, uh, sure, like if I've decided I go on an iPhone, I need to decide, do I want an 8 or an X or whatever? If I want an Android, I, maybe I want a Samsung or an LG or, or what have you. But the first decision you make is what software platform appeals to you. Um, you know, that's true in the, in the enterprise IT world. Uh, software is everything there, right? Um, if you're an IT house, like you might be everybody in your 
enterprise runs Windows or everybody in your enterprise uh, runs Mac OS, right? And you might you might have a world where where uh, you know this year the IT director gets a good deal from HP and decides this year we're buying HP products and we buy a bunch of computers, and laptops, network switches. Uh, but then a year and a half, two years from now, we need to refresh. We need some new items. And it turns out Dell is having a sale. So we say, oh, you know what? We're going to buy a bunch of Dell stuff today. Um, and nobody thinks about, oh, well, that, that's fine. We'll buy some Dell, but let's throw away all the old HP stuff and replace everything. No, because the hardware is less interesting. The hardware is purely interoperable. What matters is the software. Um, and so we're going to drive to a world where IT, where AV works a lot more like that uh, IT model, right? Where software is what drives the decision-making, where software uh, is what creates the experience and where hardware is a, a necessary component, but a secondary part of the decision-making process. Thanks for that. I, I really like the way you, uh, you, you sum that up with the different types of, of computer models. So when, when software is the first decision you make, then you, then you just basically have a lot more flexibility and agility with, with the hardware decisions that, of course, you'll need to make, right? The software does need to run somewhere. I, I say, yeah, some, somewhere electrons need to wiggle. Exactly. Even if it is in the cloud, right? There's hardware in the cloud. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Well, and that's my, that was my Google background, right? I was in the platforms group. We build, Google platforms builds the data centers, right? If you've never had the experience of, of being in a warehouse with 75,000 computers, wow! Uh, I, I recommend it. The, the first time I walked into one, I remember the guy I was with said, welcome to the plant where we turn electrons into money. <laughs> nice. Like, that's it, isn't it? That's the thing here. Fascinating. They must have some cooling bill. Um, actually, Google's one of Google's main insights in the early days of, of, of how data centers are constructed today was to cut down on cooling costs immensely. It turns out we were wasting a lot of energy keeping the computers cooler than they needed to be. So a modern, a modern data center, uh, you know, spearheaded by Google now 15 years ago, uh, is like 80, 82 degrees uh, Fahrenheit instead of like the 65 degrees that they used to be held at. Really? Is that because the technology has changed or is it just we were overdoing it back then? I, you know, I'm not the expert on that history. I yeah. don't think there's been any like fundamental technology change in terms of, of how the electronics handle it. It's been about the, managing this concept of a hot aisle and a cool aisle Yeah. Um, where you keep the hot air away from the cold air. Right. So actually, if I'm trying to, to, to describe this without pictures. But imagine that the area you're standing in in front of the computers is sort of the cool aisle. Now that's still 80, 82 degrees. Um, my international friends, forgive me. I'm, I'm speaking Fahrenheit. They're uh, used to it. <laughs> uh, but that air is getting sucked through the computers into this chamber behind them that's now hotter because the air has been heated up by the, by the CPUs yeah. and things. Okay. Uh, and then it's only that air that gets sucked out of the building through the air handlers to whatever mechanism is cooling it, right? And sometimes the mechanism is, hey, let's let's only build data centers where it's really cold outside. Uh, and then they can just e exhaust that heat and then draw in cool air from the outside and, and not have uh, any sort of, you know, air conditioning in the building. Um, yeah. So yeah, modern, modern data centers are all about energy management. Um, or as, 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 as I was taught when I was there, we're thinking about uh, queries per joule. That's our, that's our metric here. How about that? All right. Yeah. You get more yield um, mm -hmm. out of the electrons, the cooler they are. That's it. And anyone turn, who's... Turn fewer electrons into more money. Into more money. 
fascinating modern day farming. So anybody who's sitting behind a rack and uh, had a, a HVAC duct blowing in their face as they were trying to wire things up will will appreciate that <laughs> that yeah, insight. Yeah. Well, your your data center's built wrong. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I'll have to go back to that job. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> anyway. So, do you need to take that? No. 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 Okay. So back to SDVOE. Um, why is there no A? Does audio have a place in SDVOE? Oh, it's because I'm a I'm a video guy and and neglectful of that question from a marketing perspective. But but let's be clear that the 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 software defined video over Ethernet platform absolutely considers audio. Uh, the platform handles stereo audio, multi channel audio. It can down mix between the two. It can send audio independently from video. Um, we even have uh, people building on the platform, uh, Aurora Multimedia, who have taken the SDVOE platform and all that it can do, but then added on, for example, uh, Dante devices to their hardware. So now the, the SDVOE part of their platform can interact with the Dante hardware in, in the broader parts of, of some AV system where this is installed. So yes, of course, a, uh, audio... Uh, as well as control uh, are significant and important parts of the SDVOE platform. All right. So you talked a bit about what, why SDVOE exists. I'm curious about that time right before the Alliance got started. What, what were your real main motivations and concerns about, about making this leap? The, the challenge that we faced is, you know, we recognized that that AV over IP as a as a category, as a general approach, um, is obviously the next important step for our industry. Uh, and yet, everyone out there, especially today, everyone out there has some kind of product to meet that challenge, to meet that new paradigm. Uh, but there's no concept from any one manufacturer of having these pieces fit together and, and work together intelligently, right? Um, you know, an SVSI encoder works with an SVSI decoder, and, and that's it. Um, and, and back to my IT example, that's just not the way of the world, right? Can you imagine if, if your HP laptop couldn't send an email to your Dell laptop? Like, it's makes it's, sense. It's, it's a ridiculous question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet that's how we're okay with that in AV, it seems, but, but that's not okay. Um, and so, and so the real impetus for SDVOE is about, uh, trying to build a standard approach to how we do AV over IP, uh, so that the hardware can become interoperable with one another. So that an, an Aurora box can talk to a ZV box, just like an HP box can talk to a Dell box. Uh, because only once you've solved that interoperability problem can you then have the concept uh, of, a, of a software platform, right? If, if, if Android phones didn't talk to iPhones, then it would be a very different world uh, than what we have today. Those wouldn't be successful products because people have preferences, right? Somebody wants an application that works one way. Somebody wants an application that works another way. Uh, and by building, by instead of building products like like an SVSI or a Crestron NVX or a or a Just Add Power boxes, instead of building products, if we build a platform, we thought that we could really help give the AV industry the tools needed uh, 
uh, to sort of grow up, right? And, and to live in this world uh, where user experience is, is at the forefront of what we do all the time uh, and to create the tools needed so that software engineers, programmers uh, can, can build the applications that the users demand uh, without, being, without having to also consider at the same time, what hardware do I need to have? Yeah. So I've been having a lot of great conversations lately and it seems like in AV, we're really just accustomed to selecting the box first, selecting the hardware first. And you mentioned user experience. And of course, everybody knows that's where where they should be starting. And, um, but we start with the box first, possibly because there's no other, there's no standards out there really to do these sort of things. And what you're talking about is building a platform where you can have uh, the user experience come first and, and pick and choose the hardware that you're working on. Do you think that kind of flexibility and agility, obviously you, you, you believe that will be good for the industry overall, but for people, um, integrators and programmers working in AV, um, what kind of effects do you think that could have on their business? Will they need to change their business model at all? Obviously, we'll still be selling hardware, but, but there's going to be some kind of change that affects our, our day-to-day. I think it, it just gives new opportunities more than anything, right? It doesn't, it doesn't take much away from what we do today. The fact is, as we said, electrons need somewhere to wiggle, right? So, so even if the decision-making changes, at some point, we need to buy some hardware, we need to install some hardware, we need to plug it in. Right now, maybe if we can standardize well, uh, some of that plugging it in part becomes a little smoother and a little easier, Uh, but someone still has to do it. When it comes to programming systems, uh, there are always going to be customers who need and demand, you know, specific customized solutions for their application, right? I want my conference room to work exactly this way. And so a programmer can continue uh, to serve that client the way they always have. Again, uh, we SDVOE might make that a little bit easier because if if we get to the world where SDVOE is is as ubiquitous as we plan, uh, then that then that programmer coming in to customize something for an end user is customizing on a platform that they've been well versed in or well familiar with. Probably have already built some libraries of their own, uh, so it's it's easier to come in and tweak what they already have rather than start from scratch. Uh, and then the new opportunity, I think, is is once you build a platform, it becomes more feasible uh, for software programmers, uh, AV programmers and engineers to, to identify certain types of applications that are common and start to build those and, and sell them even more generically. Uh, again, just like software works in the, in the IT world, right? Like if I, if I want a, a, a platform for an for having an audio video conference like we're on right now, I can go build Zoom, uh, charge people money to use it because enough people want that application, right? If, if, if we have a solid and ubiquitous platform, uh, then developers can feel comfortable that, that, their, that their custom needs can always be met, uh, but that the more generic problems that they need to solve, they don't have to solve over and over again. They can solve them once and then, and then commercially offer that solution because the platform that makes it possible is available everywhere. So it sounds like uh, SDVOE apps. That's exactly the world I would love to see, right? I think we're, it's going to take some time to get there, right? There's a lot of transitions we have to get through. We're still, as an industry, transitioning away from the matrix switch, 
right? And that's where SDVOE offers performance that's unique uh, in AV over IP world because only SDVOE actually replicates the performance of a matrix switch. There's no latency compromise. There's no image quality compromise. Other, other AV over IP solutions are about, hey, I'll give you some great flexibility, some good scalability, but you're going to have to pay for that in latency and quality. Um, and that's fine as a short-term solution, but SDVOE actually replaces the matrix switch. So we're, we're getting through that transition as an industry. Um, then once we've really stabilized on AV over IP as how we do things, uh, it's time to start really changing those minds and showing people the value of a platform uh, as opposed to the value of individual products. But, uh, but absolutely, I will, I will know that the Alliance has succeeded completely uh, when, when, when one day there's an SDVOE app store and anybody who, who has a good idea for a piece of, of SDVOE application can write that, create it, and, and sell it and make a business. Well, obviously, given the name of this podcast, you know that I'm on board with that too. But um, I've been using software-defined control for a few years now. And by that, I mean controlling devices directly from an iPad or using a cheap processor like a Raspberry Pi for control. And all of it technically works great. There's absolutely no issues with it technically. Uh, Reliability, you can, I mean, a Raspberry Pi is a Linux box. So even security-wise, it's not an issue but there is a ton of resistance to these solutions sure. and not from end users. They really don't care as long as things uh, work as they expect, then they're fine with it. But integrators and consultants are kind of quick to call what I'm doing a science project. So why do you think there's so much resistance to software-based solutions? Well, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's history and it's, what, it's what's easy. And it's, again, that lack of education. That's what the Alliance has to go. That's the battle we have to go fight is to teach and show people um, that when the IT industry became the IT industry, everything was okay, right? Uh, relying more on software is not a bad thing. Um, and, and that moving away from this older paradigm of the hardware defining the application actually has real benefits for system designers and for system installers. Uh, It it makes their job simpler. It makes their job more repeatable, and it allows them to have more bandwidth and capability uh, to be able to take on more work uh, and to be able to deliver uh, a better suited, uh, sort of more custom tailored uh, experience to those users. they're, They're allowed to focus a little more on each of their customers' user experience as they focus less on the, the, the raw details of this box or that box, which is, you know, that's something that, that some people love to do. Um, but it's a world that, that we're, we're moving away from and, and that move is inevitable. So it's, it's, it's our job as an alliance to show people how they can not only survive in this new world, uh, but, but thrive and, and take their business uh, to, to new places uh, that are just as interesting uh, and just as profitable or more so uh, than the old way. So what do you think, the technology is kind of clear, but what do you think, like from a business perspective, what do you think uh, the model will look like in say five or 10 years? You know, that's that's hard to say um, because we're enabling a lot of new and different approaches, right? AV as a service is is an idea that I've started to see kicked around places um, and that becomes more possible once we have uh, a handful of the right platforms available. Uh, it's hard for me to predict that we'll be all the way there in five years. 
but I think we will be in a world where software much more and more is, is, is the key selling point uh, for any system, right? User experience and the software that drives it. Uh, I, I think that's just inevitable because, because those who resist it, uh, frankly, will be, will be taken over uh, by those who embrace it and, and get to use this more flexible, uh, more responsive uh, business approach uh, to satisfy the customers that aren't being satisfied by those who stick to a, a pure hardware world. Yeah, it's um, I'm on board with that, but it's it's kind of hard to believe when when everything is still kind of moving so slowly, and and there's a lot of the old ways of doing things just don't seem to change at all. But um, as they say, things happen slowly and then very quickly. That's it. That's it. We'll we'll look back and we'll say, oh my goodness. I mean, it's like like I said, men the 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 pioneers take the arrows. Yeah, right? and that's and that's where we are right now. We've got to keep driving this forward, right? We've got to find these like-minded individuals, the, the folks, everybody that's a member of the SDVOE Alliance, guys like yourself who are really pushing this message of, uh, of software-defined control and software-defined experience, right? We've all just got to find the ways to work together to show people the benefits of this. And then one day we're going to look back and say, wow, I can't believe that, that anybody ever did this a different way. Yeah. There, there right? are some... I mean, is anybody is anybody looking back at wistfully at their analog video switches today? I don't think so. No, they're, they're looking for ways to get rid of them. So uh, I, I know that you're a little pressed for time. I just got uh, two more questions for you. Sure. Would you care to share any plans for the future that, that you may have for the Alliance or anything else? Well, we have just uh, announced at ISE and, and we're launching at the end of this month officially is the the SDVOE Partner Consultant Program, uh, which is a program, it's, it's aimed at consultants, but also system designers generally, uh, you know, even those who, who work for integrators or, or as independent designers. Um, and the way this program works is you can come to the sdvoe.org website, uh, get a little bit of uh, training. We've put together a nice uh, five-module uh, training curriculum, about, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes worth of material, uh, followed by a you know a quiz on what you've learned, and once you pass that quiz, uh, you're you're granted status as an, an SDVOE partner, uh, and that really says that you know you've you've achieved some level of education and understanding about what AV over IP really means, what the SDVOE platform is capable of, uh, and that you're someone who can be counted on and trusted uh, to design an SDVOE based system from any of the member manufacturers, right? We have 35 members today, most of whom are building uh, encoder and decoder devices on this platform. So you'll be, you'll be trained to design with any of those products. Uh, and, and then we'll list you publicly as you know, someone who can be counted on to, to build a high quality design uh, on the system. So that's something to look for. You can go to sdvoe.org uh, to sign up to, to get the notification as soon as that curriculum is available this month. All right. Is it, is it out yet? Is it available yet? It is not available right now. We're on okay. pins and needles to see, uh, to see when we've got it ready. We've got it in, in beta right now to a couple of, uh, uh, of test guinea pigs just to make sure that the curriculum you know, comes together in a, in a cohesive way. Uh, and then we'll be launching it in the next days. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. Do you have any advice or tips for someone who may have a new approach or solution, whether it be software-based or otherwise, and is trying to find an audience for it? 
I think uh, I think my main message is is stick with it, right? Look at what's going on in in all the industries that surround us, all the other electronics and communication industries, right? Telco, uh, IT, uh, video distribution through the at the home, right? Netflix's and YouTube's of the world. They've all gone through this same transition of analog to digital to IP to platform. Um, what we're all trying to do here is is only accelerate the inevitable. We're not we're not actually trying to create something that might not happen. Um, so just stick with it uh, and and keep keep the belief that this is where the industry is headed, uh, and that all we have to do is is create the right tools and and educate people. Right, that's SDVOE's uh, goal. So keep an eye on us uh, for education. Uh, Come, come communicate with us if you have ways you want to work with us uh, about that. And, and, and let's just all work to drive this transition together because it is going to happen. Thanks, Justin. That's just the kind of motivation that I need because <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> That's Yeah, yeah. Well, any, anything worth doing is, right? Well, there you go. So if anyone would like to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, you can reach me at jkennington at sdvoe.org, uh, but I most recommend you check out the website. You can read a little bit about the technology and the platform, uh, and at sdvoe.org, you can sign up for the newsletter and be kept up to date on all of our latest goings-on. Uh, anybody on the newsletter list will, of course, get an announcement as soon as that new training curriculum is available. Excellent. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show. You got it, Patrick. Good luck with the new program. Thanks. Take care. All right. Hey, Patrick here again. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, if you liked what you've heard, if you want to hear more discussions like this, please go to iTunes, leave a review, subscribe to the show, send me a comment, get in touch with me somehow and let me know that you're out there listening and that'll motivate me to keep doing these shows and get more great guests on. So if you're driving or whatever, ask Siri to set something in your calendar to give you a reminder to go to iTunes and leave a review. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Software Defined Survival. For transcripts and show notes, go to softwaredefinedsurvival.com.